Hey guys. Hi there. It's numero 50. That means 50 The Naked Vocalist episodes. Happy birthday. Cheers. Here's what to expect. But really, the mix configuration is, in our opinion, I think we both agree on this, is the mixture of activity between the TA muscle, the body, mm. of the vocal fold, and the CT muscle, the muscle in which it's, in which stretches it. Yeah, and there's maybe some people that argue in contemporary world that the mixed voice doesn't have a place, that actually everyone is after a belt, and um, how high can you belt? Mm. But And you know what, I, I hear the opposite as well. Yep. You know, some, some people might say actually um, within belt is just mix, but on a different shape. Sure. You know, you hear so many different views, you right? You do. But I think we're, we're, all, we're all in agreement that you know, too much, too much TA involvement. The only issue with that, when done right, is that it's it will just get tiring. Mm. You know, it's just it's just too much contact for too long, and and um, sustaining that is an issue. So we do need something that's going to help us sing with presence and energy and intensity uh, for the long haul. Yes, and that's that's where this mixed thing comes into it. Well, 50 episodes. Yeah. Who would have thought it? Yeah. Um, it's funny how it began, isn't it, really? As in audio, in honesty. <laughs> we were just messing around. Yeah. Really. And yeah. Uh, it's developed. It went from audio to video. Well, when did we go video? Like 32? 36. 36. Mm. Oh, it's etched in your mind. Yep. There it is. Locked. Uh, and we've come such a way in terms of guests, got more to come, which is cool. Uh, but who's been your favourite guest so far, would you oh, say? Oh, I was on the spot. Um, do you know what? No, for me, they're all brilliant, mate. All brilliant. All of them. Every single one is just perfect. Boring. Who's yours, then? Where's the opinion? Um, Don't need one. I won't tell you who I thought was rubbish. Please. Couple in there. No, it's not. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> they have all been brilliant. Um, but yeah. for me, uh, meeting with Ingo Tietze was great, yep. uh, which is reflected in the stats, by the way, lots of views. Uh, John Henney, actually, mm. was very fun mm. uh, and always had good feedback from his shows. Um, Mr. Stroud was a big hitter as well on the, on the stats, wasn't he? Big hitter. It, and talk, talking of stats, in case you guys are interested... By the way, while I was doing that, I mean, I don't know if I to apologise for this, but um, we just thought it was kind of not. It's a Saturday night, and you know, whilst everyone else is gallivanting out and having a party and that, we're we're just filming ourselves yeah. <laughs> for our own little sort of sordid pleasures. Um, we thought we would just like, well, you know, just have a few beers. Yeah, went out for a meal. Um, so yeah, there's two percent likers in Ireland. 6% in Australia. Is that a good accent? Nope. Not really. 7% uh, in Canada. Canada. <laughs> followed by Australia. That's why I got that confused. Yeah, linked. 20% uh, in the UK. Pretty standard, really. Yeah. 
Uh, 49% in the United States. So thanks to all you guys in the United States. Mm. Um, Favourites. I think that's as well. Isn't pod isn't podcasts, aren't podcasts uh, more popular in, in the US, would you say? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there just seems to be a sweeping statement, but technology in general just kind of... They seem to do everything first, don't they? Yeah. Like, Facebook is boring in America now. Is it really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. is it? But we're still... Yeah. Instagram and Snapchat is a thing, whereas there might be, you know, like, over here, the 12 to 18-year-olds on Snapchat, and obviously we're not doing as much recently. Been busy, haven't we? <laughs> well, we aim to. Lacking. Yeah. What do I say today? Yeah. Um, without saying the same shit as yesterday. Yeah. Don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's anyway, all good. There's I'm, lots and, of. Do you know what? I've got a packet of knickknacks with me today, which is very nice. When was the last time you had a packet of those? God, I don't know. But when Ages? was the last? When was the last time I had a packet as big as that? <laughs> That's, That's a question. Any hoosers? Um. So, um. Today. We have listener questions. Um, we've got three questions. We get lots of questions in actually, and we pick these three because they're pretty cool. Um, and also, uh, let's say we might not have spoken that much in detail about them before. Should we get into them? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, man. Are we doing it? Yeah, let's do it, all man. Right, all right, I'll start the first one, shall I? Come on. Right. This first question is from Celia, right? Now the first bit says, right lads, without having to bore you with my life story, and then there was the life story. Oh, by the way, yeah, this is, see, I've, I've read these, this, is, this email was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's too long to read now. Um, but this was, in, in terms of emails to receive that make you lull all the way through it, I mean, there's, this is, this is one. Yeah. Um, then the, <laughs> the next sentence is, so I have, Caps on, so many fucking questions, <laughs> caps off, but very little voice with which to ask them, so here goes. <laughs> so one would say maybe suffering a little bit on the old larynx. Um, there was a bunch of questions, but this one is called The Core Conundrum. So I love the titles as well. Alliterative. Yeah. You know, she's creative. Yeah. Um, back at college, I was always told off for being uptight too held, uh, going to the gym too much for a singer slash actress, uh, and that the Pilates or abdominal work I was doing was to the detriment of my singing work. Uh, as I wasn't able to release fully for breath control, I mean, I know a few singers that have insane voices and look like their ad abdominal regions have been vacuum packed at Waitrose. That's Which a British supermarket. But you can go to other supermarkets. Uh, Walmart. Well, no, don't go there. So I ask, <laughs> should we be calming down on the crunches and trying to get V-lines when we're also trying to improve our power, airflow and vocal range? Now, this is a brilliant question yeah. because it, it involves the human body um, and the, oh, the individuality of singers and again like Celia I can think of singers that are ripped let's say mm. low body fat amazing abs blah, blah 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 who are also brilliant singers free expressive yep. um, I can also think of a few who ain't as well yep and that's the thing is well in terms of science backing this I'm not sure how many studies have been carried out where it's, it's based on 
um, the prominence of the sixth pack and whether you can sing a E flat or what not. the correlation yeah you know I'm not sure that's been done that one bulges versus yeah but I guess in summary range. it's the cumulative ten the cum cumulative body tension that comes from working out heavily strength training and whether that has an effect on the voice is probable yeah. possible yeah and what's your personal take on that after being a you know a, a henchman a fitness god uh, I, um, at one point Muscle man. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? Like, actually, um, there was a time when I was going to the gym when uh, I was eating very little calories, mm. right? Actually, for someone of my size, say six foot one, six foot two, basically, um, I was eating between 1,500 and 1,800 calories a day, which, if you're into your calorific intake, that's not a lot, is it? No. Um, plus, I was exercising like a madman. So you were negative all, oh, all, every day. Ridiculous. And I did see an incredible drop in my um, vocal everything. Like, my voice was a massive pain in the arse in that period. Mm. However, in that period, I was the most extreme in terms of activity and low calories. So high activity, low calories. So I'm pretty sure my body was in that whole, like starvation mode it wasn't happy even though i felt i felt good i was losing weight because before that I was overweight and stuff yeah you were with um you? all right mate I'll put pictures up or anything uh, however when i changed that around there was a time in my life when i was going easily as hard at the gym harder in fact but my calories because i was working with a trainer were much higher um in which, uh, in, during that time, it was six to eight months of hard training and like literally zero cheap meals, but it wasn't low calorie, mm. like 3,000 calories some days. Um, my voice was spanking every day. I was brilliant. I think because, you know, the, the diet meant I was anti-inflammatory right. as well. Yep. Everything was great. And I was crunching the shit out of stuff. I was doing a lot of ab work and a lot of planking, um, planking a lot of deadlift, all that stuff. Uh, so I didn't see a correlation with the weightlifting and poor voices. However, if, you've, if you're into like um, reading muscle fitness magazines and whatever, you do see and hear someone like Ronnie Coleman. You know what I mean? Like these, these like real fitness guys, they're like real weightlifters. Some of them have the most insane voices, like insane voices. Mm -hmm. And half the time I'm listening to it going, I'm pretty sure that's a lot of vocal tension. Either it sounds rough as hell or mega high. But all, yeah, yeah, like that. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, but 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 then, and you've just got to ask yourself, haven't you? The, the the hormonal aspect of that as well. Yeah, right. With you know anabolics kicking off all over the place. Yeah. Um, it all it's all going to make a difference, isn't it? Again. The science behind that. Yeah, steroids and the voice. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, God. Yeah. Um, Let's. But, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's quite a few cases, let's say, that have come through my door and actually other people speaking, is that, let's say it, we're talking um, uh, ab work, right? Ab work is one of those classic times when someone holds their breath like that, like that, and it turns into a brace, whereas a lot of decent ab work, when you're activating the abs, you breathe out like that. So... Um, 
As much as that will increase the contraction in the abs, which might have its own problem for singing, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, at least that doesn't crush your vocal folds together. Because if you go and do that whole bracing thing, um, you could irritate your vocal folds, let's say. You could be training the muscles that really adduct your vocal folds, um, training them to clamp down mm. at, with any activation of the belly. Mm. Um, same with guys who like, say, lift really heavy weights, like three to five reps. And you hear them in the gym sometimes, I've done it as well, it's like, like that. And it's not just holding your breath, but you're actually making a sound through that adduction. Yep. Um, pretty sure that's gonna damage some voices in some way, you can just hear it. Whereas when I'm in the gym, if anybody's interested, and you're lifting heavy weights, I try and blow that effort against my lips, mm. so I'm, I'm like an elephant in the gym. No, like that. no you're not. So because that gives you a resistance, because at yeah. the end of the day, you can't not create a resistance here when you lift heavy weights, otherwise you will ruin your back. Because sure. you have to trap air in your abdomen so your back doesn't cave in. And that's the whole reason why I like weightlifting and vocal um, tension can occur. Yes, the whole body can refer tension. If you train muscles too much, that can make you tense. But I think the act of actually lifting the weights and supporting one's back with an abdomen full of air is easily a contributor to um, having vocal tension once you stop lifting weights. Yeah. Afterwards, uh, and if you can find another way to do it, which is block it with the lips sure. instead, at least you're saving yourself from that problem. So you're saying that actually the effect of um, <clears throat> training could be positive? Could be. In, in balance, as, as, well as, as well as considering the mind-body awareness of muscles that you're using in this area of your body in order to um, aid breathing. Because there, be, there must be a benefit, even in lifting heavy weights, there must be a benefit to your breathing system. Because I don't know if anybody's done heavy deadlifts, but you are really blowing air afterwards because it expends a load of energy. Sure. So in the end, it's still, in a way, when you recover, it's very cardiovascular. Sure. That can only help your breathing system. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, talking to, let's say, physios over the years, there's a lot of laryngeal masseurs in London, uh, they would uh, monitor with ultrasound yep. the activity in deep muscles, and I know Celia's mentioned Pilates, you know, trained, training the deep muscles to be really strong. Mm. Um, but some of the deeper muscles in singing, like the, uh, like the internal obliques, let's say, um, they can be far too active in singing and they are apparently, and again, I'm not an expert, but it's more about, you know, the, the conversations we have with other, people. other experts, that ac high activity in the internal obliques and the rectus abdominis is highly uh, linked to laryngeal constriction. That's it. Um, and they do, they ultrasound them to see that activity and try and train the singer into creating sounds without activating so much abdominal muscle. Yeah. But we do know that, as we said, there, there, there needs to be some activation, <coughs> some activation in there um, going on. So I think things like Pilates, I didn't think, as far as I'm aware, Pilates isn't that hardcore anyway, right? It's not like you're crunching with uh, plates on your chest to build for hypertrophy. Yes. You know, 
you know, I mean, personally for me, I've always said to, to you, haven't I, that going to the gym, I, the, acutely, the few hours after going to the gym, my voice is awesome. Is it really? Yeah, and I, and I, um, and I just don't know what it is at the moment. And I'm thinking about the research that we could do on this for whether it's the beta alanine or the caffeine in my pre-workout. Uh, you know, or, or does anybody do pre-workouts out there? Pre, just to, yeah, for those who don't, pre-workout is a concoction that's taken before a workout that we've kind of worked in and out of in our in our <laughs> in our lifting days, haven't we? And to, could, you know, there's, there was a time. Let's be let's be truthful. When that was the motivation to get to the gym. I couldn't even get out of bed. Yeah, without probably because it. of the, the, the calorie deficit and everything that's going on. It was like, <laughs> let's get ripped, low body fat, not eating enough, so caffeine gets you through, and these pre-workouts were awesome. And then we took a time off, and every now and again you dip back in, and I, I, I definitely do notice the difference. And it, look, I mean, betalanine, amino acid, um, caffeine, they all have uh, physiological, they all make physiological differences. Yeah. You know, um, which will affect tissue, blood flow, en energy levels, energy levels. So that all that against maybe benching, higher larynx. Uh, you know, uh, as we know, like larynx position is is a is a um, is a factor in where you start from when you sing. You know, you know that all that's left to do really for you is to whack two scoops down before our next gig. Exactly. <laughs> Not, I, don't even, I don't know why I haven't done it yet. Because yeah. if it is, if it's the pre-workout, yeah. I mean, God bless the gig. Yeah. Celia, there's some answers there. I guess one of the, one of the things that would be common to say is that um, there's a there's a technique called splat, which you could look into. It's singers please lose abdominal tension, uh, is what it stands for, um, and it's quite well researched. It's got some good backing, but. Um, if you take a breath, a big breath in, let's say for a big line, if you take a breath in and the first thing your body instinctively does is, is to t increase the tension in the abs, then chances are you can be building too much subglottal pressure. Um, and then your vocal folds uh, are simultaneously trying to hold back that amount of air pressure so you don't crack um, and create tone at the same time, which generates a lot of strain. So... There's, there's a lot of reasons why um, it's not necessarily the workouts, but it is certainly like how you hold yourself, mm. how you stand, whether you're thinking my belly has to be flat even when I'm just stood in the bar. Absolutely. You're just thinking, going to hold my bicep just that little bit, going to hold my beer like this and hold my belly in so, I, so I've got good shape. Is that another, is that another <sighs> one? Nah, it's just... No, but the joke's like that, 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 that thing... That the point the point there is that yeah we can overdo the postures because you know big chests all that kind of stuff but on the flip side posture benefits from good from good muscle strength yes right from right, core right. strength and so uh, I've witnessed it and I don't want to pin anyone down for not working out student wise but you know you have students who will be like that. And as a matter of fact, personally, I recognise if I don't work out for a little while, because I do a lot of work like this, on the piano, whatever, I end up... Yeah, like a little slug. Okay. Like a little curled over snail man. Armadillo. Armadillo, is that what it is? Yeah. With a very, all that rough skin, or that hard skin on your back. The summary, Celia. Scales. 
is that too much tension in the abdominal area yes. could lead to too much subglottal pressure. And that is... is and that is what I'm going to leave you with. Great. So, so on to the... Everyone's different you know, at the end of the day. But try. Try and what? And think about it. Next time. Next question. I've been studying opera with a voice teacher for about five... For, for about five... You need some knickknacks. Yeah. For about five years now. And I'm a heavy lyric soprano. Growing into Spinto as I age. Brackets, I'm 31 years young. <laughs> I've recently started singing some heavier repertoire that requires stronger low notes. Brackets, think comes good <laughs> Which is a song from Cozy Van Tut. I've actually seen that. Surprised I don't know the name. Uh, I can effortlessly hit my high notes brackets up to D6 and have a very strong middle but I lose a fair bit of volume, power and vibrato in the lower end of my range brackets max low at G3 self-perception can often be misguided my voice teacher tells me it sounds fine but I feel like I'm swallowing the notes and can barely be heard over a piano let alone a full orchestra are there any exercises I can do to strengthen the very low end of my range I'd hate to cut out rep Sorry, guys. <laughs> I've to cut out repertoire that I otherwise rock at because of a few mediocre notes. Thank you so much. Best, B. And that was from... Bron. Bryn. Bryn. Something. <laughs> but we've got a little clip of Bryn here so you can hear what's going on. Enjoy. <laughs> How do you feel about Bryn and the, the low notes, given her new repertoire, given the fact that she's singing what she's singing? What are your thoughts, big man? Um, oh, it's quite a big subject, really. Mm. Mm. There's a couple of things. I know as we age, our voices might deepen a little bit, especially, especially females mm. as well. Um, Although, I don't know, I think, I think 31 years old might be actually the time when you would be more able to hold your testatura, more able to hold your range. I would have thought that would happen a little bit later. Totally. If it was, if it was voice deepening, or, or is that just, it took 20 years to realise that the soprano stuff was too high. You know what I mean? Tricky, yeah, good, good point. Really hard to tell, because yeah. I often think like, like women in, in um, classical are actually getting really good by 31, actually realising their best ranges by then. But yeah, I mean, but you know, the, what, the general issue with voices maturing, even I would say from tw early 20s up, um, again, dealing a lot in contemporary, but with all of the struggles in life, um, and um, inflammation. The TA, if the TA wasn't worked efficiently in, as, a, as a younger singer, that's when I see the biggest problems in the late twenties. And to be clear, TA, thyroretinoid. Thyroretinoid. It that muscle provides the thickness of the vocal folds when it's activated. It's most dominant when we're in our chest voice. 
So that thickness provides us with the perception of chest being present in the sound, a chest register. So, and what we've got, the, we've got the problem, haven't we, where um, sopranos, people singing soprano material, are going to be singing at very high notes, um, easily up to the D6, let's say. Mm. Um, one would say that although a soprano's range, sopranos aren't defined by range, usually, you know, soprano material is high, but it's, it's as much about colour as it is about range, right? So, but G3 is about soprano range on the bottom, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like yeah. pretty standard on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what she's saying sounds kind of pretty good in terms of like the normal soprano range. Um, but when you're up that high for so long, as you've pointed out, the muscles of the bottom voice, the TA, um, is going to be so stretched. It's going to be so not present in the whole process yeah. for years. For in this yep. case, let's say singing classical at 31 years old and actually sounding pretty good doing it. Um, I would say 20 years plus having tops, tops max. Uh, 20 years um, plus of not using the muscles of chest voice. Um, right which provides such a lot of richness, suddenly you come to 31 years old, you need to sing some low notes with some strength, something that's audible. But instead, when you come down, it's really breathy because those muscles are not trained. Yep. And, th and then you've got to add to that, not, th not only the fact that it isn't trained and it's not engaging, but the years of experiencing and en the energy that you've been experiencing in the, in the upper, upper notes, and then coming down and we're like, wow, like, if this is something that's new, and it's gonna be the first experience that Bryn has of not uh, creating a good amount of energy mm. with her voice, it's gonna come as a shock. Yeah. So I think that, you know, essentially, what we're really talking about is training the, the lower muscle, the TA, to engage somewhat in the bottom in order to create some of the energy that would simulate the energy that she's experiencing in the upper notes. Yeah, which comes, you know, the TA is, uh, the chest voice muscle, the TA muscle is an adductor muscle. It closes the vocal folds. And to get a rich harmonic energy, to get the kind of energy you need to beat an orchestra, let's say, mm. um, you would need to have pretty good adduction. Not like fully strong, otherwise that'd be like press voice or contemporary voice. Yep. But it has to be fairly strong in mm. order to give off a rich signal. Um, in the lower range, if you haven't trained the TA, that's just never going to happen. And one of the issues with classical um, is for a lot of females, and I think some classical teachers are kind of like on board with this and some aren't, in that Missing out the chest voice um, in training for classical singers is so common, but is probably a mistake. Um, for some, yep. let's say there's been hundreds and hundreds of years of it working out for a lot of people, but, but we don't hear about the people that it didn't work out for and gave up. We only hear about the people who are like, well, I never trained chest voice, mm. and they're professional. Because we get to hear those stories because sure. they're famous, right? Right, right. Same story. Yeah, and you know, I've worked with classical females, professional, who have really good chest voice, and I'm not talking rich. I'm not talking no, no. contemporary. You, but you can hear it, and let's say you know they have one because they go up to, like, let's say, maybe A4, 
and there's a there's an audible change, like a bridge, right? Um, but they never use those notes, or very seldom use those notes. Um, but there's still some connection to that voice, mm. even in scales and singing. So should that soprano come down to say uh, something like a roundabout B4, A4, or even down lower than that, um, because there has been some chest voice training, uh, there is a presence of good chord closure and hence still some adduction and, and rich sound signal being emitted from that. Yeah. So, so one of the things Bryn could, could explore, hopefully with the teacher that she's with, is some element of chest or at least mixed voice being incorporated in, in the lower third. Yeah, which we know, as you, you said about adduction there, but, but also um, laryngeal position. Yeah. Because being in the high, uh, the larynx would have, would have been um, hiked up there yeah. on a regular basis. And as we know, ju just to create efficient energy, it's, it's the larynx has to be in a decent place for the pitch that we're singing. So again, there's a likelihood that it's gonna be sitting a little bit high. Can we coax that down with the training that we're doing at the same time? Hand in hand, we're gonna to start to see a little bit more boost amplification yeah. from, from those low notes because one, the larynx is dropping down and creating that space to do that. And secondly, the vocal folds will start to hopefully adduct a little bit more as well down there. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the trick, that's the tricky part of being classical. Um, is that you need resonance strategies, like she said, to beat the orchestra, sure. to even sound strong. So if the adduction is under control, and you can hear from the recording that the adduction isn't present in the, from G4 to G3, it's not there. It's mm -hmm. still just head voice down low. Mm -hmm. Let's say that was together. Um, if the larynx isn't in the right position, the sound that you'll get is gonna be ugly. Mm. Not ugly in contemporary world, we would probably accept it, but certainly in the classical sense, the larynx position changes and then hopefully, like you say, you get that crazy ass boost mm. that you need for that. But there's one thing that we must consider is that with all of those efforts done and classical singers spend um, years in double figures, don't they, trying to perfect all this stuff, yep. many, many years, it could easily be the case that when it comes down to it, you get the induction under control, you get all the resonance strategies under control, then maybe that's helped along by some breathing strategies and whatever. If you're still not getting the boost and not beating that orchestra, that might just not be your voice type. Which you may could indicate be inappropriate. why Bryn has spent so much time singing the repertoire that she's been singing before this time. Yeah. Um, and as you said, rewind all the way back to the start, what was it that that coaxed her towards singing this lower stuff now. Right, it might be that we're losing a little bit on the top, maybe because of age, maybe because of whatever, the usage over the years. But, but um, essentially, as you say, if w we might get to the point where we can say, my voice type isn't suitable for this, this genre, this repertoire. We see it in contemporary all the time as well. Everyone thinks it, that we should be able to sing pop, should be able to sing into the C's and the D, C sharps and the D's, uh, but not every, but really not every voice is made for that. No belting, um, but we just expect to be able to because that's what other people can do. So accepting that, but as we've always said, uh, sweeping statement. But most people are so far away from 
holding up the white flag and saying, this isn't for me, given the, the, the lack of training to explore the capacities of their instrument. Yes. So, you, yeah, we said that before, didn't we, that not many people are at the limits of their physiology. Sure. That takes a lot of training, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. A lot and a lot of messing up yeah. and, and exploring. So yeah, who knows? But we have to get that, and, and it's, it is a classic one, isn't it? That mm. classic classical world, a lack of chest voice. It's pretty normal, mm. one would say. I think after discovering that, she could probably get the better sounding low notes, but maybe because of the tessitura, she'll never be able to beat the orchestra with it. Who knows? In order to train that in much like any of the other strategies we'd give for even contemporary lower voice, but with the, with the buffer that we need, to, we need to be careful here because we don't want to overblow this. We don't want to, we don't want to get too intense down there so that it, it sends the rest of the range out of whack. Yeah. Right? Um, so we'd be using stuff, I mean, I, I, would, I would. I would go in anything, matter of fact, that produces energy in the lower range that starts to encourage those vocal folds to come together and actually set the larynx in a, in a position that's going to sit right for that pitch. So like, ah, on a five tone in the low notes. Ah, would also work. Yes. Um, what would you use down there? Yeah, a fan of E. I think that would be pretty cool. Mm. Um, yeah, we don't want to get, well, I think one of the caveats I've got here is that um, uh, this is going to probably lower the larynx and it's going to shorten the vocal folds and thicken them up. The, like the antithesis of singing soprano notes, right? Mm. So we're kind of going, okay, you're going to jump down here with some ah, some e, t totally love it. I like mmm um, in the more, more speech therapy ways, mmm, a lot of ng. Because that kind of like helps to unpress the vocal fold as well, but still it's, it could easily engage chest voice in a way that's going to make the top notes harder and the larynx mm. lower. So it's like almost instantly, and it would take, I think it would take a really, really open-minded, skilled teacher to guide someone towards a classical sound after this stuff. Sure. And I think it's, but I still think for, for Bryn, if you don't do this with a teacher, or if you aren't able to explore, the thing is about the exercises, is it exercises or is it just enough knowledge about the physiology that you can talk to a teacher who is willing to help you with this problem mm. rather than saying, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Because I wouldn't take that personally. Mm. I'd be like, yeah, but I'm, right. I'm missing out an entire vocal register that I, that I know other singers can incorporate even in classical. Sure. Right? I don't think this should be you singing head voice. So we can talk, I, th I agree with the exercises mm. as well, but I just think you should take them to a teacher who is able to very quickly bring you into something that's more mixed voice. Sure, because you do not want to be, you, you don't want to, the, the training of contemporary chest voice, as it's known, um, is just a, it, it is a long haul. Yeah, right. As soon as you get locked into that, harmonic form of relationship trying to work out of that to begin with the human body trying to decide what the hell it has to do with that mm. is a long haul and um so you yeah we wouldn't want to get down that far down that down that down that um, pathway with 
this classical training, it's almost just enough to, as you say, work towards a more mixed configuration. Yeah. And, and you know, in terms of mix, Bryn might be actually quite interested to listen to the next question. Yep. In terms of mixed voice, yeah. Because, um, it, yeah, it has to be, it has to be the way forward. Mm. It can't be heavy. Even for belters, even for like belters who belt really high, if you make chest too heavy, they've, some people think that would um, encourage the belt even more, but actually it makes it more muddy. Mm. It makes it much more difficult. You're looking for a, a chest, but a chest that's a little lighter. Yeah. So it will be stretched up to the top so it won't interfere with the mixed configuration or the interaction with head voice. Sure. Um, so yeah, bringing in that TA muscle, let's say, just so it provides some adduction but not so it provides a stark change in register. Just something that appears to have more body. Yep, which it will. If it hasn't, if it's never been engaged before, or never been brought into play, then it's going to make a difference. It's, it's good, and it's gonna be stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the moral of the story is, yeah, Bryn, heed it. You need you need guidance on this one. Mm. You, I don't think you're going to be able to do this on your own. Um, so uh, yeah, speak to your vocal coach about it, and hopefully that person can help you uh, try and resolve that problem um, through the physiology of chest voice, or at least how chest voice contributes to adduction. Sure. Right. Amongst all the other things. Bada bing bombo. Bada boosh. Final question. Right, I'm going to read this one. Uh, and this is a very quick one from Chess. I'd like for you to talk about singing using more of a mixed voice rather than chest in the high notes without it sounding too different to the rest of the chest voice, if you know what I mean, exclamation mark. Uh, to get those high chests without the throatiness. So, thoughts? Don't ever do that again. What are your thoughts, mate? Clicking. Throatiness, what do, what do you reckon? No, I, we, if you know what I mean, we know exactly what she means. Don't we? Ah. Yeah. Um, sounding too different to the rest of the chest voice. Um, I think what we're talking about is any sort of squeeze, um, unnecessary tension as we start to ascend in pitch. That's what we're talking about. So can we feel the ease and the low as we work up in pitch? It's probably one of the most common ailments when it comes to singers in the studio, in contemporary music. Um, can I not kill myself as I ascend in pitch? Mm. Um, so it, it more of a mix rather than in chest. Again, we talk about consistent sound, um, a a balance between the muscles that give us tension in the vocal folds. And it does take a while because when we start out, it, it, it's just the way it is. We are over engaging normally in one of those muscles. Yeah, in one register or another. One register or the other. And, um, and so it's, it's the, the training process is, is exactly what Chess is talking about. How can I train these two muscles to talk to each other? in a nice way. Mm. Um, and actually, following on from that, the muscles talking to each other, the, the mixed voice definition, some people are like, what is mixed voice? Can we define it by a sound? Yeah, you can identify it by a sound. Um, whereas belt is very much like, hey, hey, you know, that kind of like, very much like, 
We call that TA dominant or like there's the, the chest voice muscle is very present. Um, the vowels usually are nice and spread. The sound is more cool like, hey, hey, we're talking falsetto, where the TA, the, the body of the vocal fold is not engaged really. It's kind of off, it's a bit flaccid, um, leaving the adduction or the vocal fold closure to be low. And then we get falsetto, right? Mm. Mm. But in between those two, we can have those two situations actually being in a blend where the TA is present but not dominant. It's, it's at the party, it's moderately contracted, it's, it's providing some body. Um, but the muscles that stretch it out, the muscles of the head voice that, that stretch it and, and uh, can raise pitch easily, they're able to be part of the process because the TA isn't over-engaged. Mm. So we get, we get some chord closure, providing us with that chest perception, but we're able to lift it up. And it does have that kind of, oh, sort of place. Mm. No, kind of round, round there. It's, it's not, it's a, it's a particular sound, but really the mix configuration is, in our opinion, I think we both agree on this, is the mixture of activity between the TA muscle, the body mm. of the vocal fold, and the CT muscle, the muscle in which it's, in which stretches it. Yeah, and there's maybe some people that argue in contemporary world that the mixed voice doesn't have a place, that actually everyone is after a belt, and um, how high can you belt? Mm. But And you know what, I, I hear the opposite as well. Yep. We, we you know, some, some people might say actually um, within belt is just mix, but on a different shape. Sure. You know, you hear so many different views, you right? You do. But I think we're, we're, all, we're all in agreement that you know, too, much, too much TA involvement, the only issue with that when done right is that it's, it will just get tiring. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just too much contact for too long and, and um, sustaining that is an issue. So we do need something that's gonna help us sing with presence and energy and intensity uh, for the long haul. Yes. And that's, that's where this mixed thing comes into it. And, and, and not only that, to be honest with you, let, in my experience, and I'm sure in yours as well, the belt becomes easier once mix has been trained. Yes. And it's, it, it, it's a no-brainer. We, we separate these things, mix, belt, check, but it's all the same instrument. So why does belt become easier? Because we've stretched the... We stretch the folds, we've engaged the, the CT, the muscle that is more involved in the higher notes. So what that means is, antagonistically, the TA isn't the, as, full on. as full on, isn't loving life when you're ascending. It just has a knock on effect by training that. So all round, this mixed thing, um, this mixed configuration, this mixed sound that some people go by, is, is just a great thing to train. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, so how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, That's well, what Chef wants to know. Let, let's, let's do that. So, so um, one needs, let's say one needs somebody on the outside to determine whether you are achieving a mixed voice or not. That takes a trained teacher or at least somebody who knows singing well whilst you're doing the exercises, right? But some of the real go-tos are, let's say when the vowel closes, like with oo, with o, with e, with ear, 
The way they shape the vocal track, they influence you, not completely, but just influence you, um, towards a mixed configuration. Be just be from the way that they shape you. So some people, when they're singing a va when they're singing a word like love, ah, and they keep spreading open, and you just change it to love, love. Mm. Sometimes that is that slight rounding of the vowel is enough to change the energy in the voice to influence the mechanism towards a mixed voice, and then suddenly you're in it. Mm. Right, that's one of the first tools, really. So yeah, and chess, I, chess I, might be finding that. And just to add on to this for chess, uh, from what I get from the from the comment is, uh, she what what I assume is that the chest she probably feeling if 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 it is a big difference at the moment, that oh, yeah thing, then a great strategy to seesaw. Do you want to seesaw? Chest, low notes, heaviness, high notes, cool. lightness. Where's this going? Light person, heavy. Oh, I like he it. Heavy right, person. Right, 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 right. And then we take some of the weight off this person. Been on a diet and that. Gets lighter. Or just jumps off. Then, no, because then you screwed it. Oh, yeah, well, that's when you get the break or the crack. No, okay, all right. Like, ah! All right, so, so I won't jump off then. I'll stay Don't home. get involved in the conversation. I won't eat more my analogies. Okay. So that's where you want it. Just little fella, little fella. Cool. Did you get that, Chess? The point was, <laughs> bring that, bring the closed valves down to begin with. Bring, bring them down lower than you think. So, yeah, you might be able to comfortably, meaning it isn't as bad as the two or three notes above it, sing a B or a B flat four. Um, ah, ah, you might be able to get there in, in that coordination, but if you, but for a short while, a couple of days, a week or two weeks, if you, if you can close down the vowel on them, and even if it needs to be, ah, I mean, what is a, should we get a, what's a, a B, can you get a B? Trying to hit you a B, mate. I'll give you a B if you Come want Come on, give me a B, baby. B4, yeah? Yeah, babe. Ah, ah, ah. If you can reach them in, a, in that loud thing that you're talking about. Whatever it is there, if it's really light for the moment, which we're about disassociating with on that pitch. So bring it down to the B, the B flat, and the A, just to disassociate yourself with that thing. Because that, for me, that's where the most drastic vocal track shape um, can offset that smooth balance from bottom to top yes. to begin with. Right. So if we, can, if we can get out of that for a little bit, then we can start to build from there. Yeah, and you know what, a more extreme, which I think some lots of people benefit from, is let's say the closed vowel earlier on, it, it prepares you for a mixed configuration instead of just a chest pull, right? Mm. However, if you completely occlude the vocal tract, it's almost like you drive home that point even more. Yep. Let's say you were having massive trouble with just controlling that, um, that situation. Occluded exercises like the puffy cheek, like the straw, 
they almost influence you towards a mixed configuration as soon as they go in the mouth, irrelevant of the pitch. So yes, yeah, some people really who are struggling with this a lot um, can benefit from the occluded exercises. An offshoot of that would be consonants because consonants occlude the airflow on the way out of the vocal folds. So some would say that if you're just hanging onto a vowel on a long note, um, you're much more likely to spread that open into a yell than you are if you start saying lyrics on that pitch. Um, and the thing about the lyrics is like, the lyrics can throw you off a little bit. They may seem harder because constantly they're influencing you out of your chest voice. Mm. Whereas a vowel is, it, a vowel is easily adjusted to, so it influences you towards your chest voice, as in you spread it open. But we know that's not the goal. So sometimes embracing the direction in which the lyrics are sending you, which is some, um, the consonants are sending you, which is some, sometimes a bit lighter. Sure. Is, you have, to, you have to get used to it. You have to embrace it, let's say not on stage, but in the practice room. Absolutely, yeah. Because any, yeah, any occlusion, any close of the mouth, any close vowel is, is going to change the energy so much so that you're probably gonna remain or, or be influenced towards a mixed voice. What, what I'm not saying is that mixed voice is only attainable on vowels that are more neutral, more closed. That's not true. Right. How our instrument is definitely influenced towards mixed voice in, an, in a centralized vowel, like uh or oh. Or, that we can then move away from. Yes, then, then we get used to the feeling and we get used to the laryngeal control of it. Ooh, we get used to that light place. Ah, and we can let those vowels open, we can go into twangy states, we can do anything while still maintaining that mixed voice. But yeah, the vowel and or the consonant uh, and a few other things which we don't have time for today um, can be the initiation of finding a mixed voice and at least hanging on to it for a little bit to yep. get to know it. And I just think that this is a, it's, it's the result of the world we live in today. Oh, is it? Yeah, baby, yeah. I've I've deep. I, I bought myself, I actually, I do bore myself. Sometimes. Well, we can always edit it out, this bit, if you want. I wouldn't, because it's gold. And, well, and you're editing it, I think that's the problem. There's a lot. I think we just wanted to stand back and go, we've all ended up in this place where we've got this heaviness up to a point and then it goes light and I would need to do something about it because I know that doesn't work for me and it doesn't feel nice. Where does that come from? And it comes from the fact that all of us can produce a certain, a cracking amount of energy up to a point based on the way that we're built. Um, and also the, the, the contemporary pop world, that sound is a sound that is popular in that world. So we feel like, we pick the artists that sing, do it low enough. For the females, it's Adele, it's Rihanna, it's Amy Winehouse, God bless her soul. For the guys, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, Ed Sheeran will give you a little flip. Um, what then happens is, is that we can do that thing and then that gets us into singing. We sound kind of good because we sound a bit like the people that we're emulating. And um, 
and then we end up in this place where it's like, now I've developed enough and I feel good about my singing, I'm now in a place where I've got to re- kind of redo some stuff. Yeah. And work. And, and, and it can be demoralising, that's the point. Because I feel like I'm in a good place. I've progressed so much over the years and I can sing a bit like Adele uh, or sing the songs of Adele in a pop style that people appreciate. But I'm depressed because I can't go any higher. Yes. You know, and that's, that's, the, that's the issue, really. And we all get that. Yeah. We all approach that, except the people that, A, figure it out for themselves. Sure. Or have the physiology not to get wrapped up in that in the first place. Yep. Or Im- are influenced by people who might not necessarily lead them towards that. Yep. Or those people who had voice training since they were like, whatever, mm. 10 years old or something. Mm. Um, but for the rest of us, you and I included, mm. we, you go a long way down the road of, and then, then suddenly you have to um, take a little bit of a back step and go, okay, damn, I have to readdress something. Yeah. I, I, I literally have to relearn a couple of things uh, that's gonna take me a while and make them muscle memory after deprogramming the other muscle memory. Sure, and, and, and I think one of the other complications is that we could we're at a point where we've been doing it for years and, it work, and it's been working, it's been successful in some ways, then we end up in a place where it's like, um, it seems like a small thing. It's, it can't be a big deal because I'm, good, I'm a good singer and I've just got this issue that I can't get any... But actually, if you unravel it all, it's actually quite, quite an issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really is. And I think that's the demoralising thing, thing for us is that... And, and then, then I've got to invest all my time again to not, not do this thing that feels good and sounds good to people. Not do the thing I've, I've been successful using for a while so that I can actually develop myself for the future. Mm. We need to change the world. And we're going to do it one voice at a time. I'm sure that's been used, isn't it? Millions of times. Millions of times. Yeah. Oh, anyway. That's that. I, I never said it. Somebody else did. I, was, I thought you were going to say one podcast at a time. Uh, that would do. That would yeah. do. Um, anyway, we're here. We've, we've finished the beer. Um, I've finished my knickknacks. I, I think we've got a few... Got a few digestive nibbles there. Nibbles! Here you go, mate. I'll pour them. Thanks, mate. Um, so that was our 50th episode. It was Q and A. Um, it was very informal. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's how we do birthdays, isn't it? But uh, on the hundred, on the on, on, on number one hundred, which will probably be on primetime television, to be honest with you. We should just get everyone in. In here. Start inviting like, people round. A big hole. 140,000 people. <laughs> Shit. It's like a marquee or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's do it. I think um, this is a nice idea. Families. For those of you who have Friends. been with us for the long haul, thank you. Truly, though, thank you. Our, uh, our, mission, our mission really is, and it's becoming more apparent as we go on, is, is just, to, um, just to go deep with information cool. and advice. We're not gonna give you a quick fix. We've That's said it a million times, it's not the point. They work, quick fixes kind of work, but for us it's about getting involved in the deep stuff and, and in it for the long haul. We're here for life, aren't we, eh? We're here for life. So if you wanna you know, come and hold our hands. All right, we'll, just, we'll leave it there. That's all, we, that's all we'll let you do. To be honest with you, uh, 
Don't want to get friendly, do we? It's always get weird. Um, anyway, you, I think you've got bar. Have you got some? You got barry? No, I'm up? fine, thank you. Let's just wrap it up, shall we? Bad enough. Come over to Facebook. <laughs> it's all happening. So thanks for joining us. We will see you in episode 51 for really don't know. We filmed them ahead. We haven't got a clue. Some great stuff. Whatever it yeah. is, but it's going to be great. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>